Welcome to the Therapist Thrival Guide. My name is Miranda. I am a licensed clinical social worker, and I am here with Neil and Jenny to talk about sand tray therapy today. Um, Neil has been on the podcast before, so you might recognize him from our play therapy episode. Neil, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, Sure. Yeah. My name is Neil Peterson. I uh, work at Ellie here out of the Rochester office. I've been doing play therapy, well, and and sand tray really for since about, let's see, 2015. So, oh gosh, that's eight years now. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's how long I've been doing that. Awesome. What ages of clients do you typically see? Um, For me, it's about anywhere from ages like two all the way up to like I've seen 80-year-olds, 70-year-olds. So, Have you done sand tray therapy with adults as well? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm excited to kind of jump into that a little bit. Jenny, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself too? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. I'm Jenny Kiemeyer and I am a uh, LPCC. It's my license, board approved supervisor as well. I've been at Ellie here since December of 2022 and I've been a therapist for over six years now. Um, I work as the clinical operations director for our Mendota Heights and Burnsville locations in Ellie, Minnesota. Awesome. Well, thank you both for joining. Um, I don't know a lot about sand tray therapy. I'm super excited to talk more about this. Um, <clears throat> this com- We will be releasing this episode in August during our Children's Mental Health Month. And so we're going to talk about doing sand tray therapy with kids, but I also want to kind of venture into the conversation of, having, of doing sand tray therapy with adults as well. Do you both want to just start by sharing a little bit more about like how you got trained in sand tray therapy and what the process is for that? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so I was trained from uh, Terry Cotman, who is the creator of Adlerian Play Therapy. Um, through her certification program, I took several classes um, in person and I took some classes uh at conventions and stuff like that. So, so that's where the bulk of my train came from for, uh, for sand tray. Although I'm always, <laughs> if there's a sand tray class somewhere, I'll probably take it. Cause I really enjoy it. There's always new things to learn with it. Mm. What about you, Jenny? Sure. So, um, my training was actually during my internship. Um, my, uh, supervisor at that time, Todd Monger, used it um, both in supervision and also taught us the modality to use with our clients in the university setting. And then when I was at another organization, Dan Miller did a couple of different classes that I took through that organization. Okay. This is a side note, but I also know Todd Munger. That's so random. Really? Yep. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic mentor. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Small world, small world. So I know we've talked about how with play therapy, you can go through the steps to be certified. You can, but you could also just take some classes and you couldn't call yourself a registered play therapist, but you could do play therapy. Um, like myself, I'm not a registered play therapist, but do play therapy with kids. So is Santry therapy similar where you can, is there a certification process or can you practice Santry therapy without going through all of that? So as far as I know, there is no certification for Santry. It's more, it's, it's just a play therapy technique. Um, so it's one like a registered play therapist would probably use, but, Mm -hmm. um, there is no specific. So yeah, you don't need, you don't need any certification to do it. 
So who is this modality good for? Or I guess maybe yeah. modality isn't the right word, but who is this tool good for? I'd say it's, it's like a modality. It's a, a really great way to, you know, get the internalized, externalized, putting things into the Sientry environment. So I primarily use it with adults. It's great for kids, adults. I've used it with supervisees in our supervision as they want to work out client cases even that they're consulting on. So I think everybody mm-hmm. can benefit from it if they're open to it. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, really go ahead, the, Neil. that's really the, uh, is, is the openness to it. Yeah. Um, I haven't run into many uh, people who I would say wouldn't benefit from it unless they're just like, no, that seems too strange or weird or whatever. But so, I have so many questions. First off, what sort of like setup do you have in your office for sand tray? Do you have like little sandboxes? Do you have like a table that is like a sandbox? What What is the typical setup for sand tray? Yes, I'd be happy to send you any pictures if you wanted to <laughs> to use those. Mule sure. probably the same, but as you can see over my shoulder, um, I have a couple bookcases that are full of uh, miniature figures, anything from action heroes to cars, houses, trees, um, the full full range of um, items that people could could use. There's really no end in how many you could. <laughs> secure for your sand tray setup. And then the there's a standard size and color and height even for a typical sand tray table. So it's usually two, three by two feet by three feet, three and a half inches deep, painted blue on the inside. Hmm. And then my dad actually made mine by hand and he put it on wheels so I could easily get it around <laughs> the room. Oh, that's perfect. Exactly. For kids, you might actually have it on the floor though, so that they can access it in a, a, a more looking down way. Um, and Neil, I'm curious what, what yours is. I have seen other variety too and what people mm-hmm. use. Yeah. So my original setup was just a clear plastic tote with sand in it. Uh, that was before I moved to Minnesota. My my table is now kind of the standard um, sand tray setup that you were describing. Um, it's also on wheels, and the tray itself can be lifted off of the table and put down. Um, but there isn't... Uh, if people want to do it, uh, I, I often will say, go the route of, like, get a, get a clear plastic tote, put some sand in it, um, just to kind of try it out, see if you like it. Miniatures-wise, my setup is... I have two closets now in my office. One of them is dedicated to sand tray miniatures because sand tray is a disease. And if you <laughs> and if you get into it, I will warn you, it's very expensive because every time you go to a Walmart or a Target, you probably might go by the toy aisle and be like, "Yeah, I could use that. I'm yeah. just going to take that and bring that to my office. Um, I've known therapists with whole rooms dedicated to sand tray. So yeah, so I've got my organizer. It's one closet and they're all in white baskets. So I always will tell people it's in a white basket. It can go in the sand tray. Um, Cause not everything I have in my office can go in that. I would say that uh, sand tray therapists are the easiest to shop for, um, for any holidays or celebrations. I love opening gifts of dinosaurs and cars. Like you my, my, I like it. My three-year-old son likes it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's easy to That's shop. perfect. <laughs> and oh, I yeah. tell people, because people will be like, well, what if I get you something you already have? It's like, I'll use it as a family. 
Like it doesn't That's matter so if I have true. duplicates. I'll I'll use it. Yeah. So I know in the last episode too, where we talked about play therapy, we talked about like directive, non-directive. How do you kind of how directive is your practice and how do you kind of introduce or start this with let's let's maybe we could talk, we could speak towards like doing it with kids or adults. I think it's probably pretty similar, but. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm going to give you the answer. I, I gave you a lot last time I was here. <laughs> it depends. Which, it depends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, for me, it very much depends. So, um, if I've got people who gravitate toward it right away and they want to do something with it, then I can engage in some non-directive uh, sand tray stuff. Um, which is usually with smaller kids, but when I'm working with older kids or teens or adults, then it's I, I would say I skew more toward the directive side of, of things. Yep, I would echo that with the... Uh, I primarily use it with adults. I see eight, uh, 17 and up for my age range right now for, for clients. And typically they... Um, seem to want some kind of direction. I've, I've done some non-directive with adults, but typically when I um, even introduce the idea of doing a sand tray, it's usually about a topic that we're working on or maybe we're getting stuck in it. So let, let's say grief, for example, if we're, we're talking about it, we're, we're running into some walls, I'll say, okay, let's just pause and take that grief and put it into the sand tray. And so it's not a big directive, but enough that they can then go and approach the bookshelves, select items that are really resonating with them, and we put them into the sand tray and, and this, this story will typically unfold around that grief and giving them a different way to access that in a way that our words can't always do. Sometimes we can just show it and then feel it that way. So when you've done it in that particular example, what did it look like? What when they kind of what did the sand tray look like when they were putting it out sure. there? It varies so much. Um, okay. One thing I can think of is the you know uh, typically, and, and we can get as detailed as you want to on what different quadrants of the sand tray can symbolize. <laughs> There's a lot of little details we could go into, but um, essentially they started to put the past and the grief into the sand tray. And one direction some, um, a lot of sand tray therapists I would imagine would go is we will express it. They will we'll talk through it, show it, and then we'll be curious about any change that they might want to make to it. Maybe it was a different outcome for the grief. Maybe it's mm -hmm. a different way to, to visualize accepting this grief if that's what they're ready for. And so sometimes things can even shift and change within the sand tray. It doesn't, it's not stagnant typically. Um, and if it's stagnant, that might also be symbolic of they're not ready to potentially get through that grief or just need to sit with it longer in that setting. So there can be, there could be one figure, um, there could be 25, there as many, it, it just so depends on what, what mm -hmm. stands out to that client. And that's part of the uniqueness of sand trade too. We don't um, limit what you can utilize if it's within like the white baskets, like Neil was saying. Um, you know, I, I heard a story of, um, from one of my supervisors where the client was dealing with something and grabbed a rock, just a single rock from the shelf, dropped it in the tray and they talked for an hour about what that rock represented in the client's mm -hmm. life. So then once they put, like in that particular scenario, it's like once they put things out into the sand tray, what sort of questions might you ask about like the different figures or kind of how it's arranged? 
So when someone does a sand tray for me, the first thing I want to gauge, because sometimes I'm not going to process verbally. It, mm. you know, there, there, are, there are people that I've worked with where I'm like, I'm not going to do that because, for example, if I'm doing a tray about kind of heavy trauma, I may look at the client and be like, they're not ready to verbally process. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question in for when I would do that, um, I'm going to ask things based on positioning. So if I'm doing, I'll use a pretty common one. I'll do like, let's say a family, like, you know, show me your family in the sand tray. This person is closer to this person. Um, now for me, I use like medic communication. So I'm going to guess out loud and just be like, I'm wondering if those two people are closer than the rest of the family. Uh, I might use size of figures. So if one, one figure is bigger than the rest, I might say something like this person's, this person's bigger. I wonder if they kind of are the center of attention a lot Hmm. or if they feel larger than life or I might do based on type. And these are, I mean, this is just a few examples of a million different questions you could ask, but I might notice that, Oh, everyone in this family is a person except this person is a dinosaur. Wondering if they feel, or if it's the, you know, maybe it's the client themselves. I wonder if you feel different than the rest mm-hmm. of the family. Um, few examples. Is it usually that you're having them create a scene or create something in the sand tray, or is it that you're having, or do they often kind of play through, um, like, I don't know. I'll try to think of an example. Like maybe they want to play house in the sand tray with the figurines or something, or is it, is it typically, I mean, I, I imagine that depends too, but it sure does. You answered your own question. It really depends. Um, I found with the younger clients I worked with, um, they would, there would be more movement, more action, more stories playing out. Uh, mm-hmm. the adults I work with t- typically have had more of a, a scene that they set and it could be the family. It could be work. It, I mean, again, there's so, so much variety, but mm-hmm. less, less movement until directed to, um, to change something to say, you know, mm-hmm. what would make this feel more comfortable? What would make this feel more peaceful? If, if that's a direction that I think um, would be a good prompt for them to go. Yeah. It can depend on the prompt too, because if I'm giving a prompt as simple as, you know, create your family or if I'm giving a prompt of, show me what happened to you today. Yeah. That could elicit movement or not, depending on mm-hmm. the client and on the prompt. Yeah. Do you carry on sand trays but like from session to session? Like, would you ever take a picture of a sand tray or would you ever um, have them recreate something and, and kind of continue at the next session? Or is it typically just like we start over at the next one? Yes. Uh, I would continue it. Um, but yes, but, but sometimes not, not always, but I've often taken a lot of times if I do a make your world tray, which is a very basic, uh, first time tray, um, I'll take a picture. And What's a make your months, world tray? A make your world tray is simply where I'll tell the client, make your world in the sand tray. So, and sometimes that's all a client needs and they'll say, okay, yeah, I'll go. And then sometimes they'll say, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And if I get what does that mean, I might say, well, what's oftentimes I'll say, let's start with you. You're part of your world, place you in there. And then I might uh, put a few more scaffolding prompts like, okay, what else is part of your world, your family, your friends, 
What do you like? Where do you live? Things like that, just to get them going. And then usually after one or two of those, then they, they're off to the races. Yeah. Um, Sometimes clients just need a little bit more of the direction and not to, to really engage with it and understand like, what am I supposed to do? Like they're just toys. It's like, well, they're not, yeah, there's some toys in there, but it's, you know, things that can represent whatever you want them to represent. You know, um, sorry, I'm going to bunny trail here for just a moment. Cause I had a thought yeah. what I've been doing lately to really introduce Antray well, or to introduce the concept of things can represent different things is I have this introduction sand trade that I do with clients where I say, okay, we're going to introduce ourselves to each other. Mm-hmm. And so we're each going to do a sand trade. You're going to do one for me and I'm going to do one for you. Um, and whenever, every time I ask who do you want to go first, do you want to go second? I always go first, but that's fine mm-hmm. with me because then I get to say, okay, I put stuff in here. I'm like, these are things from my life. This is what they represent. And it gives them an idea of, oh, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to do some self-disclosure mm-hmm. as a therapist too, so they can get to know you in a way that might be odd if I just started rattling off all these details about myself in a first session. But it also opens the door to, to as an example, for the client to see what this process could be like. And um, and yeah, just get to test the waters a little bit. So Neil, I love that idea. I'm going to have to try to implement that one sometime. <laughs> What do you think it means? Like, I mean, Neil, you were showing, you were talking about some like examples of meta communication or kind of guessing that you would do with clients. But what do you think the different uh, like figures that someone chooses for themselves often represents or could mean? So that's a that's that's the thing where you're going to start getting into like okay correlational stuff where it's like a lot of times this means that, but not always. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's always good to remember that, that there's not like, okay, I should, I should say from my theoretical theoretical perspective and also uh, Jenny, I'm guessing from yours as well. I know there are union uh, Santra play therapists who believe that their miniatures are all tied to different archetypes. Mm. Um, and that's the way they practice. Like they're very representative. They're very representative. This this always means this. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. For me, I would say nine out of ten times, if I have the, I have this big D and D miniature, uh, and he looks kind of like a demon or a devil. If he's in the sand tray, he's probably not something good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's either a negative <laughs> emotion or a person who you know someone is struggling with. But he hasn't always been. <laughs> um, I can't. Uh, but th- but there's also comes down. And Jenny, you can talk. Um, you know, you you have different views maybe on this. Even positioning can can mean something. It's like okay, if I have people separated, it's like oh, there's distance here. Mm-hmm. It's. But it all comes down to that meta communication. So if I make a guess about something and I'm wrong, clients are usually going to tell me, especially if they're a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Which is yeah, I, yeah, and it kind of goes back to that kind of how Neil was talking about. Like, I wonder about this, or I noticed this. Like, a, a dragon might not always be something bad or fierce or ugly or angry. It might just be what you know looked the most 
like a memory they had of going to Universal Studios when they were a kid. It was a great experience. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times with um, like positioning, like Neil would say, there can be this idea of conflict for things in the opposite corners facing one another. Things that are closer to the client in the sand tray at the bottom of it might be closer to them and represent something more personal, even if the figures are facing the client or facing the therapist can be really significant too. Because sometimes clients will set up a tray and it's almost like it's for me because everybody's Mm -hmm. facing my direction. It's like, well, tell me about that. (laughs) I wonder about that. But there are are archetypes. But I I think, again, that's where it comes down to asking the client what it means to them. Um, For example, someone used this little dog once that I had and they were talking about some really angry, negative things with it. And I'm thinking, oh, it's such a cute little dog. But if I had said that, that would be Mm. very opposite what the client was thinking. And I Mm -hmm. asked, oh, tell me more about it. Like, oh, this is a lion. It's the closest thing you had. But no, this is like, this is, this is really a bad (laughs) thing. (laughs) So we never (laughs) want to you know, state something as fact as the Sandra mm-hmm. therapist, but rather ask, question, wonder about it. And the, the client's the one who knows best what, what everything's really representing. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about how Sandra might look different when you're doing it with adults or maybe some themes or things that you would notice. I'm going to let you start with that one because I know you, you work primarily with, with adults. Well, and I was going to let you start because you have the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think one of the differences I mentioned before is just the movement in the sand tray seems mm-hmm. to be a little more a little more stationary with adults. Um, I think that there can be really just as much imaginative play and approach to it, though, um, with folks who are open to it. And um, e- even folks who seem a little closed off at first, I think once they get to play, in the sand tray, like they do start to, to open up and feel more comfortable with it as well. So, um, but yeah, just a lot of variety. So Neil, I'm curious what differences. You- <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, the adults that I work with right now, it's been so interesting because like some of the adults I've done it with are like veterans and, and mm-hmm. people who've experienced great trauma. I also have a couple clients who are multiple personality systems doing Santre, which is really, really interesting. But yeah, so um, I don't see as much movement, like Jenny was saying as well, uh, as I do with kids most of the time. There's one exception to that. I see a lot, there's a lot more verbal processing. Mm. There's a lot more of the, when I wonder something, sometimes a client will look at it and be like, oh, (laughs) Because the other thing I do a lot with more adult clients are what I would call quasi-directed sand tray, which is simply to kind of... Um, so one uh, with adults, I, I was working with a couple the other day and I did a sand tray with them. And I said, okay, think about the state of your relationship, where you are now, where you want to be. Think about all those things. Take a moment to think about those things. And then I'll say, okay... Now, don't think about that at all. I go to the sand, uh, the sand closet and uh, just choose miniatures that attract and or repel you and place them in the tray. You don't need to know why. Just if they attract you, pick it up. If they repel you, pick it up, put it in. Um, and then we start making, you know, then I start making guesses of like, okay, maybe this, this has meaning this way. Maybe this has meaning that way. Because some situations a client might not really know what the problem is. 
Um, the first time this was done, the first time I was trained with this, uh, and Terry did this to me, I, I couldn't like the stuff that came out. This was a class. This was my first Android class where everybody cried every day, at least one <laughs> come to realizations that, that are really uh, hard hitting sometimes. Hmm. Tell me more about what it looks like with couples, because I'm, I'm so intrigued. Do they have their own sand trays? Do they kind of work in the same sand tray? Sure. Um, it depends. Uh, so sometimes, sometimes I will have them each go up one at a time and be like, okay, show me this. Sometimes I'll split the sand tray down the middle and say, okay, let's do it together. Sometimes I'll have them do one tray and say, okay, there's different ways to structure that. Like I could say each one of you is going to choose one miniature at a time to place in up to a certain number. Sometimes it'll be, you're going to choose miniatures for the other person. Mm. Um, yeah, I like doing Santray with couples. Uh, I like doing Santray in general. So <laughs> I've never um, done it with a couple, but I've been a part of a couple who's done a Santray. <laughs> I um, married my my partner Zach. We did some counseling leading up to marriage, premarital counseling, and the therapist had us create one another's family of origin in the same sand tray. And that was oh, that's brilliant <gasps> to see what represented what in each other's families. But then the directive the therapist gave us was now create what you want your family to be. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm getting goosebumps. Like it's been, we've been married 15 years. This was probably about 16 years ago. I still can vividly see it in my memory. So Going back to your question about like taking a picture, a lot mm-hmm. of clients will take a picture of it and I, I encourage them to do so. But when it's something powerful and significant, like I can still see it to this day, what we created mm-hmm. together. And, and as a couple, like what we've continued to work towards in our marriage. I love that. That's such a cool example. Oh man. I, I had never heard of couples work with Santray until Neil had mentioned it. Um, at our last recording. And so it's, it's so intriguing. Do you guys ever have couples or adults that are like, I don't want to play, like, I don't want to do this or kind of feel like this is silly. Yeah. And how do you, how do you get them over that? Or do you even push them? Uh, so if I feel like I want to try it, I will, first of all, it all comes to the uh, first step is the pitch. So I'm always really excited when I introduce the sand tray. Uh, as a tool and, and what it can do. If someone is resistant, but I still really would like to give it a shot, then I'll usually throw in the caveat of, you know what? Let's do this this one time. And if you hate it, I will mm-hmm. never bring it up again. I've never had yet had somebody who has done it and then been like, that was awful. <laughs> so That makes sense. I've had people say, oh, that brought up more than I thought. And like, I don't want it to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to bring up stuff. I thought, you know, they, they explained after a sand tray, I'll back up. Sometimes I'll ask, tell me what that experience was like for you. And can I help me gauge if this could be something useful going forward? And mm-hmm. uh, this client I'm thinking about said that they just didn't expect it to bring up so much stuff. Like these are just little, you know, little figures in sand. And yet... I like feel like I worked through something today that I I wasn't planning to. Mm-hmm. So there's um I think like 
usually openness will come with the process. So like mm-hmm. Neil said, I'll, I'll encourage people to give it a try one time and then, okay, we'll set it aside if, if it's not the right fit for them. Why do you think Santra is so powerful? Like why, why do you think this works? Come on over sometime and I will show you. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's, that, is, that is the right answer. <laughs> I love it. I, I think it's, it's hard to describe. I'm, and I, same like, like with Neil, like when I start getting trained and it, just all these emotions just suddenly start to come up and you start seeing things like, oh, this represents me and my life and my problems. Mm. And there's like a, like even just the sand itself. I mean, it's, it's very grounding. It's, it's very earthy. There's like almost history tied to it. So it feels like this special space. And, and even the way the sand tray is designed, it's, it's meant again, two feet by three feet to fully capture your vision and your line of sight. So there's this immersion that I think comes with it Mm -hmm. when we start to approach it. And, and people, of course, you know, like to talk about themselves in, in, an understandable way and then to to find the power and the metaphor and the the way that the therapist can kind of guide them through with those questions and prompts just unfolds this beautiful story um and lets them even take down some of those walls or defensives that they didn't even know they had mm-hmm. up but everybody likes to play and mm-hmm. if we can play and use that as a method to get that wall down, I think that's what really surprises people to see what kind of change can really happen within it. So I think that's, that's part of the power of the sand tray. You know, I think something else that's really powerful about sand tray is that so many times with some of these things, we don't know how to put it into words, mm-hmm. especially with working with young people, but a lot of times with adults too. Or maybe it, we're just afraid to say it out loud. Well, maybe you're not scary. great at like drawing either you know you can't the other you know like art therapy maybe doesn't feel right either because you're like my people are stick figures but Mm -hmm. yeah but if you can if if i can go into a sand tray and 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 yeah i can feel that tactile experience which some people don't like but i have a solution for that i can talk about in a minute um and they can place things in there and sometimes that feels it just it lowers defenses a little bit because it's like okay I don't have to, if I place something in there and I get an asked question, I don't have to say anything. I don't have to, I can just put stuff in, in the tray and let it, and let it, what happens happen. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it feels safer, I think. So what about for people who don't like sand? You were just starting to okay. kind of talk about that. Right. So for people who don't want to touch sand, uh, I have two solutions. One is much simpler and less expensive than the other. So one is to basically just get shovels and rakes and and tools so that they don't have to touch the sand. Mm. The other solution is uh, virtual sand tray. Um, So there is an app which is exclusive to uh, Apple products right now called virtual sand tray. It's very expensive, but it's very good. Um, it, It is a thing where you have a virtual sand tray. You can build up the sand. You can dig down all the way down to the bottom where there's water or lava or whatever you want there to be down there. You can change the color of the sand or what it is. And then there's tons of different miniatures that you can place in it. Uh, so I use that program. If you don't want to spend the money on that though, I've also seen like people who do telehealth, uh, use something like, I think it's paint 3d is a program that a lot of people use because you can make, 
a background that's sand and there's tons of, of like miniature uh, 3D models that you can stick in there. So those are some ways I would get around someone who doesn't like the tactile feel of the sand. What else do you feel like people should know about sand tray therapy or what do you feel like I'm missing around either whether it be who it's good for, the training, or even just like what the process looks like? Oh, I just thought of one actually. Jenny, what does it look like when you do this with supervisees? Oh, Thanks. Thanks for asking. <laughs> so um, it can look like a couple different things depending on what the the. I, I keep saying that it just depends. I see where Neil's coming from now with that. Um, if it's, it can be a couple different ways. So sometimes it's the supervisee in their own process. Like a, a really common one is before taking maybe their licensure exam and feeling really stuck in between you know, doing the work of with their clients, maybe some imposter syndrome they're working through and yet having to prepare for this test. So that's a, a, a typical time that um, that kind of sand trick prompt might come out. Just like, show me your world as you're getting ready for this, this life mm-hmm. change, this, this challenge. Um, other times we can use it as a case consultation. So if they are working with a client and they're, they're feeling maybe stuck as a therapist or they just want to um, play really and just, just to share with me what the work is that they're doing with their client, that's a great way just to, to talk about the, the case in a, a different realm, a different world to get more um, of the same insights we would get from doing Santre with a, a client. Just getting to externalize it, see it, process it, change it, and then take that information back to the next session with them. Not that, hey, I did a sand tray about you, <laughs> they put <it> yeah. <laughs> but just to, to have maybe some fresh ideas that were um, spurred on from that consult. That's awesome. Very cool. Any other last things that you feel like we're missing or that we should touch on? not thinking of anything yeah no i think i think we're good yeah this has been so helpful you guys where where would you recommend people go to find more information or try to like if they're interested in getting trained in sand tray therapy or if they want to take some trainings where what what are some kind of starting places that you would recommend for people so i know i think um that the play therapies, uh, the association for play therapies website probably would have some information, um, on, on sand trade stuff, especially since they do an annual conference every mm-hmm. year. Um, the other place that I'm going to go that I'm going to be very biased with is the left organization, which is yes. the league of, of extraordinary Edlerian play therapists. Um, they do a lot of really great cha- uh, trainings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I would echo that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining and sharing your knowledge around this. I, I'm so interested in sand tray therapy and I feel like this conversation just kind of, I don't know, whetted my appetite even a little bit more. And so I'm excited to learn more about this and thank you both so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. It's thank a you. Pleasure.